All right, we welcome you to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Snacking alongside my good friend uh, and co-host of this podcast, Travis Krins from he's the sports director at KORN Radio. And Mitchell, I'm going to start throwing that out there now. And you are uh, not only that, you're a great friend. You are the birthday boy. Happy birthday today, Travis. Today's the day, January 18th. So, uh, it is. Happy birthday to you. Um, we will get to your podcast here momentarily. Here, the, the, the debut of Taking Time with Travis, uh, which I highly encourage everyone to, to listen to, especially if you're uh, in and around the, the Mitchell area. But it, uh, in addition to it being your birthday, it is the 12-year anniversary of the Sports Block Franchise, let's just say, from radio show in the basement of the student union at SDSU to uh, now the podcast here that we do almost every week. Uh, we've done, you know, TV uh, TV show and uh, what was it? what was the name of the building again at SDSU? I can't I think of it. What was that? Pugsley. Yes. Yes. Pugsley Entertainment Center, uh, or whatever. Um, and yeah, we, we did that for a while. You and me and Charlie and, and Marcus, Blake Day came on. That was a lot of fun. So we've had a lot of uh, a lot of time, a lot of different kind of tentacles stemming off of uh, the sports block. Um, you know, well, I'll just call it the franchise, even though we probably don't have the rights for it. But ultimately, it began 12 years ago. Our senior years of college, we said, let's start this radio show, and the first one we did was on your birthday, and I believe you have said uh, that it was right after the Vikings crushed the Cowboys. I believe that score was 34-3. to That was the year with Brett Favre and whatnot, so uh, we've come a long ways, and I'm, I'm very happy and very glad that we continue, are able to continue to do this. The rest of 12 years, or the start of 12 years, whatever it is. Yep. And this is like episode what, 289 or something on this podcast or radio or whatever. There were almost a 300 on just this. Uh, like the Sports Lounge TV show we did. We had a lot of stuff out there. So I, I felt like my last couple of years of college were best years because of that stuff because of the radio show and the tv show mm-hmm. so. yeah because you you went in like after uh because you and i both had the, the broadcast journalism major and stuff and we were in paulson's classes and whatnot and uh then i think you you went into the, like the sports pedagogy right so you were you were there for yeah. a, another year or two as a, as a grad student and whatnot, yes. and I, you know, helped out at uh, various football and basketball games, so we got to do a lot more stuff that way. But the the radio show is where we really, really began to to get things going. Because first year of college, didn't you just you're just going to college, just figuring out what's going on. Yep. And then yeah, it was our senior year, our last semester of our senior years when we did the radio show, and then I was around for another year and a half, and then. We continued the radio show, and we started the TV show. So, yeah, for that extra year, we wouldn't have done all that stuff. Yep. And there's been, I guess, other radio shows on there. We weren't, we weren't the first. 
We were definitely the ones, though, that wanted to do it the most, or like, like put the most effort into putting together a good show week in and week out. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, it was. It was good for two, three hours. Whatever it was, Monday night, Tuesday nights, whatever, whatever days of the week it was. Um, and then the TV show. I'm not the first to do that, but can't imagine there's been many that have done that or done that many episodes of something that was almost an hour long because that takes some time. Mm-hmm. And at the end, they were just at Dustin Brink. In the in the second season, he he was everything. He pushed the buttons in the back, and yep. we would set up the cameras to begin the show, and just have nobody behind the cameras. Yep, good old Dusty. He had to uh, do all that other stuff just to to do that. So, um, yeah, I think we took full advantage of of all they had to offer there at SDSU until it came to an end, and. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Yes, it was. And I think we were even kind of some of the, the, maybe, were we the first ones to really start doing like a a coach's show, at least with with Coach Stiglmeyer and stuff? Because we would get him on the radio show. He would come down to the... Uh, to the studio in the um, in the basement there. We also did it up in the the main floor area of the commons stuff. Like before, you know, Tyler Merriam has has done this, you know, coaches show now at Cubbies and whatnot. I and maybe he was doing something to that degree, and I wasn't I wasn't aware. But I think you know we were kind of one of the first ones to to try and get the coaches on to to talk about where things were going in each of the the main seasons in football and basketball. Yeah, they were not doing it at the time. They had done it before. Uh, they had like a TV show. I, uh, one summer, I went through all the VHS tapes they had in storage games, football, basketball, other stuff. And I saw something on Kello. Kello had a coach show at some point. It looked like it was the mid to late 90s. Okay. Then they had that Jackrabbit Insider show that was on for 10 years or 8 years, however long that was on. And they did not, at this point there, you know, FCS Division One, And they weren't nearly as good as they were now. And they didn't have a coach's show for football. They didn't have one going at the time. And Tyler Merriam had just kind of started there as, as in, in, in his role. Mm-hmm. And then we had our radio show and our TV show. And then well, let's do something with Stiglmeyer. And he's so nice that he never says no. Right. So he would show up every week. And then he would do that for half hour, 45 minutes instead of, and we'd have him on the show sometimes as part of the show, but then it became a separate thing. Mm-hmm. And they did not have that. We did that for two years. Yep. And the second year, I think they maybe started something, but he still did both of them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's, he's excellent in my book. Yep. So. Absolutely a class act. And I think easily... The, the most famous guest that we've ever had, uh, specific to the radio show, uh, was Bill Hancock, the executive director of the college, well, at that time the BCS, but now the college football playoff uh, and stuff, he, without a question. And, we, and arguably, we ran into the most technical difficulties with him, yeah. and he was very patient and very kind with us, and we certainly appreciated him uh, 
sticking with us with all of that that was going on. But I think he was easily the the highest profile guy we've had. I think so. so. At the time, I didn't I didn't know who he was. At the time, I didn't. But now we see him every year. We see him like he's the guy that gives out the trophy mm-hmm. for the for the national championship. And then the phones were always a mess. Seemed like the phones yeah. were always. <laughs> Oh, was operator error on our part, or what the hell it was? What you know, they never, you never knew if they were going to work or not when they did it. And yeah, you know, we had a lot of good guests. We had some. We had Chris Cluey on. I, yep. I liked him. Yep. Had some other NFL guys on. Yep. So yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, we had like you know Nate Walters. We had him come in studio. Yep. Um. So we had some of those guys back, back 10, 10 12 years ago. Uh, come on in. Uh, it was uh, yeah, it was real good. Yeah, it was. It was good. So uh, it's been we've we've done a lot of stuff here in in twelve years, and hopefully we have at least a few more years in us with this. So it's very good. So uh, again, twelve year anniversary of the Sports Block Podcast, but more importantly, a happy birthday to you uh, on this day because it's always it'll always be easy to remember your birthday and the Sports Block uh, uh, pod or. Uh, Show beginning here as they happen on the same day, so that's great. Uh, again, uh, I thought I was on Facebook. I think it was our first TV show, but I think our because we did one like like in late December. Mm-hmm. We tried it out right before the, the semester break. Um, but our, but our well, first one after that, I think they did the very next year in 2011. I think that popped up today. On my Facebook thing, so like the TV show was just one year behind the that deal. So the the draft shows were always my well, favorite with Blake Day, and of course we when we did the trivia and had the big check, <laughs> that was that was so good. <laughs> and they're all up on YouTube yet, so it's yeah, you look back on those and yeah, those were a lot of fun to get those going. And, I mean, that SDSU Channel Two just had. It was on all the time, and it was. They had the radio station on when that wasn't on, and we were on that. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a lot of that channel too. I liked it. Was it was just easy to get on? I just asked the guy, "Can we do this?" And he said, "Yes." So, because nobody asked us to do any of this, it was all stuff we wanted to do. Yep. Yeah, all extracurricular stuff. And we didn't get paid for any of it, and it, mm-hmm. the stuff we wanted to do because we wanted to. We thought we we thought it would be fun, and it was. So just stuff we wanted to do, and I'm glad that we did. Yes, absolutely. I am really glad as well. And uh, you know, kind of stemming off of the the sports block podcast. Well, I guess this is like a totally different thing. But now you have a new podcast called Taking Time with Travis. Uh, it made its uh, debut last week on K O R N. Uh, radio or like the, the the Facebook page and the website and stuff. K O R N uh, Radio there in Mitchell. You had on Marcus Traxler. He is the he is the Virgin guest on the on the the, the show. The first ever is that the Virgin? Would it be the Virgin guest? No, probably not. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Yes, well, I guess that's one way to put it. So the guest. Well, I'm, I'm not trying to like imply any. I don't know any. Anyway, before we get down that rabbit hole, uh, <laughs> um. But yes, uh, Marcus is the, the, the first ever guest on this podcast. And you had Mike McFeely from the Fargo Forum on to talk about the Bison winning an, uh, their ninth title in 11 years. And then Arif Hassan, who covers the Vikings for The Athletic, 
Uh, so I listened to it. It was very good. Uh, talked about a lot of different things, and of course, you know, a lot of Vikings and stuff, which is which is good because that's the the team I think most people care about in this area. But overall, it was very well done, and uh, I look forward to uh, listening to this podcast every week. So yeah, I wanted to do that. Um, I did the coaches show for a long time here, and ever since COVID, we haven't done that. So it's been about two years. And that's fun, but it's the same coaches every week, and it gets kind of redundant, mm-hmm. and I was fine with that going away. So, But then I felt like I should be doing something, because then if I'm not talking to coaches for the coaches show, I usually don't talk to them. I should talk to them more, but I don't. So uh, I wanted to do this, and I just this is just stuff I'm interested in. If people listen to it, so be it. But uh, it's not on the ear yet, but... I feel like it, or parts of it will be it's at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, I just want to do it, put it online, and have that be that. So, yeah, Marcus was good, talking uh, Mitchell stuff mainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike McFeely was good. And then, uh, yeah, Arif Hassan with the Vikings, trying to find somebody to talk about the Vikings and their changes and coaching GM stuff. So, yeah, it was... About an hour and a half long. I don't think most of them will be that long, but I want to do it every week. Mm-hmm. Um, this week, I still need one more guest. I want to have three guests a week. Yeah, one, and essentially, like it's one local, one regional, and one more, maybe more national, right? Yeah, uh, ideally, I would like that. I guess the the local one this week. I guess we're going to talk about the transgender stuff again, mm-hmm. since they bring this up every year in the. Uh, South Dakota legislature yes, that started that, a week or so ago. Yeah, that that was in Nome State of the State or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, so we got somebody from the ACLU of South Dakota to talk about that and what a waste of time that is. Yeah, I've been doing this for the few, last few years and it never passes. It's always a controversial subject about banning transgender kids, essentially boys, from playing girl sports, boys who want to become girls to play female sports. And this isn't an issue category in the state, so why are we wasting our time uh, with this? Uh, last time I checked, I emailed uh, somebody at the South Dakota High School Activities Association, and they said a handful, which I took to be five or less, and I've never come across anybody. I don't know any football players. I don't know any it's more female sports. I don't know any basketball players track. I don't know anybody, any boy, that's transitioning to become a female and is playing a sport in South Dakota. Mm-hmm. It's a waste of time because, again, this is something that affects nobody because it's not around. So talk about that yep. a I, little bit. So, I do and then uh, we got uh, we got that Scott Kazmar. Ah, yes. Him from the – told him a couple months ago about that Twitter account. I like yep. him on Twitter. Um, a lot of good you know, football information. He's a football writer and stuff, and so he's going to be on. Are you going to ask him about Kirk Cousins? I would hope you ask every guest about Kirk Cousins Maybe. at some point. <laughs> his, his big thing is about Tom Brady, and he does not consider him the best ever. Maybe even the second or third best ever. And he, he he's uh, he brings up valid points of 
He's won seven Super Bowls, but Tom Brady's been very lucky. He's been very, very fortunate. Um, and Andy presents a good argument. And um, I probably am probably tend to be on his side of like his team's had good defenses. His team is just very, it's very unique how Tom Brady has won all of these games. It hasn't been all him. Mm-hmm. So he gets all the credit, but I mean, it's been very fortunate. Things things that don't happen for everybody happen to him. Mm-hmm. So have him on, and I try to get everything done, or I send people messages saying, hey, anytime this week before noon. And he said no, because he goes to bed at, I guess, 6 or 7 in the morning and wakes up at 2 or 3 in the afternoon. Well, that's odd. So I'm like, yes, all right, so... How about 5 o'clock on a Thursday? He said, okay, that'll work. So I got to go back and work at 5 o'clock Thursday. <laughs> Once I'm done at noon and I'll probably talk 15, 20 minutes. So whatever, because I really want to get him on and see see how good he is because I like like his previews, like his stuff. So there's that. And still want one more guest. So still looking mm-hmm. uh, around for – got a couple messages out there, but I need one more. So yep. – well, it's very good, like I said, um, and so I will definitely be be taking a, another listen here to the podcast this week. Uh, what, just one thing, is kind of stemming from the 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 I don't know the, the transgender bill or you know whatever for you know sports and whatnot. I do know there's a lot of heat going on right now, kind of uh, with the University of Penn uh, swimming, and I know there's some uh, uh, male transition female is breaking all these records so there at least this was the case of maybe about a month month and a half ago or maybe two months ago or so uh there's a lot of issues or a lot of people upset about that but that's you know in the ivy league and out east it's not directly it's not regarding anyone specific to south dakota so the the issue is out there but it's certainly not relevant at least as of now to the state of south dakota yeah, there are yeah, examples out there, and some of it makes sense. Of yeah, you get a you get a man playing a girl sport, like he's he's, he's probably going to do well. Yeah. So you want the fairness and competition, but yeah, and, and until that happens, I just yeah, I don't see I just don't see that happening. It's a small state, and there's small numbers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it happened. It has happened. It happens in other states, but yeah, for, for us to waste our time on this stuff, it's it's something else. Well, we'll talk to somebody last year about it, not just for the radio, but we'll talk here to this week about it. And I'd like to have one of the maybe the lawmakers who are sponsoring this. Maybe that's who I get. Um, mm-hmm. Another point, but so it's it's mainly going to be sports. It's going to be like eighty five percent sports. Yep. Uh, but sometimes it'll be political or. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, Taking Time with Travis is the name of the podcast. Again, very good uh, good inaugural uh, debut of the podcast. So I, I enjoyed that. And uh, best of luck uh, and tons of success with that as you continue to do it. So uh, as we get into this now here, uh, the NFL playoffs have begun. And I am jinxing myself right away when I say this, but I did go 6-0 and in the picks this week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Four games were absolute blowouts, and I gotta tell you, Eagles Bucks were was boring as hell. 
on Sunday, and then we got Cardinals-Rams. That was boring as hell on Monday night. Uh, Patriots... Uh, the Patriots, uh, bi- or bi- yeah, Patriots Bills was interesting just from the standpoint because Buffalo made NFL history. They scored seven touchdowns on seven possessions. They had two kneel downs. They didn't punt. They didn't kick a field goal the entire game. That's the first time ever in NFL history that that has happened, regular season or postseason. And it was just the complete dismantling of of New England that was so fascinating to watch about this game. And even, you know, like Pittsburgh, Kansas City, I enjoyed it just because Kansas City, after, you know, they finally woke up after T.J. Watt scored a defensive touchdown. They scored 35 straight. But that game was overall a blowout because Pittsburgh didn't have any business being in the playoffs. They were terrible on offense. Uh, So, again, no business being in there, but that game was a blowout. Uh, And then you had the two close games that were arguably the most controversial uh, in Vegas, Cincinnati as well, and uh, and then San Francisco, Dallas. We'll get to those two in a moment. But out of any of the blowouts, what stood out to you uh, in these contests? Uh, Buffalo, they did well. Yeah, they they, uh, first team to ever do that, to not kick or punt. I guess, and then there was a turnover component. They didn't turn it over, so you can make an argument that was the best, the best offensive game anybody's ever had mm-hmm. in terms of those uh, those measures. That was good, and I think yeah, I think everybody that you figured would win did win. Like San Francisco was the one upset, but a lot of people were picking them. Yep. So yeah, there were um, last couple of years. There's been a lot of upsets. It feels like, and this year was another. Wasn't anything. And I think 2021, so, uh, the, the 2021 playoffs, so last year, I think that has to kind of be taken, it, like, put into its own separate yeah. entity just because of the, the fact that there were no fans or limited fans in many of the stadiums. So you had a lot of road teams winning, but when you don't have full stadiums, that certainly plays a, a part in this. Like, Cincinnati had their biggest crowd ever for their game against the Raiders, ever, Uh I mean that's that's remarkable, and maybe it's because people kind of just sense that this was the Bengals' year. Yeah, that, that you know this isn't this isn't Andy Dalton. This is an, a, an Ohio native. This is Joe Burrow leading the team. So yeah, I think you know home teams go five and one this week, and I think we can likely expect more home teams to win throughout the rest of the playoffs, but. Then again, I mean, you are truly down to arguably the eight best teams in the NFL now. But uh, yeah, the, the Bucks annihilate the Eagles. Eagles looked like crap. Dallas Goddard played very good, but uh, that was about it. Uh, again, the Chiefs finally woke up. That was a big win. And, and the Cardinals, oh my God, the Cardinals just look like complete garbage. Uh, the Vikings play the Cardinals next year, and I look forward to it because I would rather face them than the Rams or the 49ers or, hell, even the Seahawks. If, if there's one team from the West I want to play, it's the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, they took a turn to the worst in that second half, so whatever that was, I'm not sure, but that was bad. Uh, the Bengals, I watched the Saturday stuff, didn't really watch much of the Sunday stuff. Uh, Bengals, I like that. I like them winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, 49ers, I'm happy they won since I picked them to go to the Super Bowl, so it's nice to have that still available out yep. there. Um, the controversial call on Cincinnati's part, um, I'm fine with, 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 with what happened with the whistle. 
Well, yeah. So let so in that game, it is I believe thirteen to six at that point. I want to say that was the score. And Cincinnati's got the ball. Joe Burrow is rolling out to his right. He's near the sideline, and he he kind of like jumps in the air and throws a pass somewhat back across his body. Tyler Boyd's open in the end zone. Tyler Boyd makes the catch. While the ball is in the air, you hear a whistle because the official inexplicably thought that Joe Burrow was out of bounds. He clearly wasn't. Like, this wasn't a, ooh, this is really close. It wasn't close. Burrow was in. Boyd makes the catch, but the Raiders kind of stop because you can hear the whistle before Tyler Boyd makes the catch. Now, I think he would have made the catch regardless. There wasn't really a Raider around him. Like, Boyd was pretty wide open. That touchdown's going to happen regardless if there's a whistle or not. But the rule book says that if a inadvertent whistle happens in the middle of a play, the play is dead and they, they redo it, essentially. And Jerome Boger was the official in this game, and he a myriad of issues. Like, this was a terribly officiated game. Uh, but he conferred with Walt Anderson in New York, the NFL head of officiating or whatever you want to call him, and they said that, no, the whistle came after the the ball was caught, which is just flat-out inaccurate. It's it's a lie. I mean, you can't, you can't pee on our leg and tell us it's raining. Like, that's not how this goes. And with the technology and stuff, you have to get this right. But anyone watching the game with the sound on – because I'll admit, I I was watching the game. I was at a, this party at a bar, uh, the, the family friend and whatnot. So I didn't. I saw the play. I didn't hear anything because you couldn't. The, the games, the sound wasn't on. So I had no idea what they were, you know, can you know talking about or anything like that. But you could just tell it was. I don't know. It's it's just stupid because the NFL looks absolutely foolish. When it comes to this, well, whether the water should have reached out of the play, but I'm glad they didn't because it didn't have any impact on the play. Because yeah, I, the tight end likely catches the ball because it was so late in the play. It was the right. ball had was halfway to him, if not more so. Yeah, it was in the end zone by the time he caught. Like it's a, a split second. So, yeah, it, it was, you know, a second, half second till the end of the play. If I'm watching the Vikings or my favorite team and they call that back, I am pissed. Yes. Oh, if, it, if, it was, if it was the Vikings, they would have. No, let's not let's well, not make any bones about it. It would have been called back if it were the Vikings. Because the whistle at the end of that play, you know, the play is 95% complete. And to take that back, literally screwed the Bengals. So, I'm glad it stood as it did. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but to say it happened after the play, that's not accurate. The Raider players, they kind of gave up a little bit. So, rough day for officials. I'm glad that they let the call stand because I would have been much more angry if they called that back. Yep, and then the Raiders did battle back. They had a chance to tie the game at the end. I think they would have just kicked the extra point and gone to overtime. I don't think they would have gone for two. But uh, they, they're driving. They have it first to first and goal. They can't get in, and then the, the, it's fourth and goal. And Derek Carr throws a pass, and it's short of the end zone. Like this, even if I don't know if it was Waller or Zay Jones or Brian Edwards, whoever whoever the the target was, 
He wasn't going to hit get to the end zone anyway, so it was a bad throw, a bad decision, but Joe Burrow, easily the best player on the field all game long, and 31 years of frustration, and for the first time ever, Bengals fans could text about a Bengals win because it t- the last Bengals win happened in 1991. Text messages happened in 1992. Bengals fans had never been able to text about uh, a playoff win. They have now, so... Congratulations to Bengals fans everywhere. Uh, that was uh, really cool to see. And I think, you know, as Joe Burrow said earlier this week, like this is going to be the new norm. This is going to be the first of many. I like that confidence. I like that moxie about him. And you just look at the team. Yeah, if they, they shore up the offensive line a little bit. Look at the weapons. You could argue there's no better trio of wide receivers in the NFL than Jamar Chase T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, like those three are fantastic together. Uh, so the Bengals could be around for a while. I think the AFC North arguably will be the toughest division in football come next year. So it's not a given, but a, a great win for the Bengals and for the Raiders. Just given everything that they went through this season to make it to the playoffs was a huge accomplishment. There doesn't there doesn't need to be a seventh team in the playoffs. There just doesn't. No, Pittsburgh doesn't need to be in. Nope. Philadelphia doesn't need to be in. Bears last year. Yep. Yeah, the, the Raiders made it. I think everybody else would like to see the Chargers. You know, a Chargers, uh, Chiefs, or whatever would have happened. Um, yeah, Raiders, they were just, they were there all year. They'd be up and down, and uh, they played a lot of close games. So good for the Raiders to, to get there, and I'm, I'm very glad they did not win that game because... I think Cincinnati is going to win this week, too. So uh, I don't think the Raiders would have won against the Titans. But yep. Cincinnati, yeah, they got a quarterback. <clears throat> they got a great receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, defense is all right. Offensive line needs to get a lot better. Yep, no doubt. That's about it. Um, yeah, there. I mean, the Browns, the Browns. Pittsburgh are always there. And then Baltimore is always up and down. So. This can be Cincinnati's division for a while, mm-hmm. uh, and hopefully they're good for a long time. I agree. Uh, and just briefly on the Raiders here, because I, you just want—if you want to talk about dysfunctional franchises, no, look no further than the Houston Texans in the NFL, the Sacramento Kings, perhaps in the NBA. Uh, who would it be in baseball? The the Miami Marlins or the or the New York Mets, maybe. Um, just there are a number of different franchises that you kind of associate dysfunction with, and now I think that kind of more that goes to a certain extent to the to the Raiders, who after the the game is is over, you know they were just on Monday Monday this week on Martin Luther King Jr. Day they fire Mike Mayock, their general manager. Uh, he came in along with John Gruden, and that you know the, those two were kind of tied at the hip, so this wasn't a in all that surprising fire, but given that the players on the team have come out with so much support for the interim head coach, Rich Basaccia, uh, and he, like he's beloved within that locker room, and Derek Carr said, yeah, he needs to be the head coach. And just given what he was able to do, guiding them through the John Gruden fiasco, and then the the uh, the Henry Ruggs situation and stuff, like he was great. And if he doesn't get this job, I think you have a 
problem, or Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, has a potential problem with losing that locker room because they want this guy. But now that you fired the GM, are you going to make... Are you going to hire a GM and say, you have to have this guy as your coach? Maybe that's not the way it goes. So I think the Raiders now have found themselves in a major pickle. And if Rich Basaccia is not the Raiders head coach, and I think he should, but if he is not, I would want the Vikings to, to hire him in a minute because he just seems like he has it. He wrote handwritten notes to all of his players Saturday night after the loss, thanking them for the season. He just seems like he's a player's coach, and he gets the most out of you. I mean, again, look what he was able to do with the Raiders this year and help them navigate through all of the commotion that the season brought for them and all the obstacles and uh, distractions. I would happily have Rich Passaccia as the, the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings if the Raiders inexplicably do not hire him. But that appears to be where it's headed based on their dysfunction. I'm going to pass on Rick for being Viking head coach. Um, I, want, I want the Buffalo guy, Brian Dable. I want him. He's my number one pick. Um, you got the Green Bay guy. That'd be interesting. Nathaniel Hackett, yep. I thought it would be Eric Bieniemy, but now I'm not sure. I, I don't think um, it's going to be him. I, I don't. It, with him, it's it's. People always say, "Well, why why doesn't he have a job?" And people bring out the you know, black and all this and that. And um, I, I guess I didn't know from the podcast uh, that Arif Hassan had mentioned uh, Eric Bieniemy's off field issues. But I guess I was not all that aware of. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he's got a long list of things he has done that you probably wouldn't want your head coach to do. As a player years ago, 20, 30 years ago, as an assistant at uh, University of Colorado, um, he's got a, lot, a bunch of things not good, you know? Mm-hmm. So you don't want that. So I, 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 and, and why that never gets – I've never heard that. Have you heard this stuff? Or, no, I've never heard, I, I've never heard of that being used as, like, Oh, yeah, he doesn't get hired, by the way. Uh, he's done all these things. He had DUI in 2001, mm-hmm. uh, being his wife, girlfriend, all that stuff. I've never heard of that. No, I, guess, I, I haven't either. I've heard it more like uh, like his uh, demeanor is sometimes more... It, it seems like it's come out more lately that his demeanor it kind of resembles Zimmer, so that might not be the direction that the Vikings go in. Or, you know, he maybe had a little bit of a... A squabble here or there uh, when he was with the Vikings before, but yeah, none of this off season or like off the field stuff or none of these other things from his past really have seemed to get brought up when they say why is he not a head coach? And that seems to be why he would not be a head coach because of all these other things. Yeah, because you don't hear NFL head coaches having these problems, but he has. So why this never gets brought up and it's always a race thing, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, Vikings there. It's, it's going to take a while, I believe, for this thing to get done. But Brian Dable with Buffalo, I guess I would like him uh, more than anybody else. Too many defensive coordinators are getting interviewed, and I don't think they're going to make a decision on that before they go with the GM route. Uh, but like Todd Bowles is going to uh, get a look. Raheem Morris is going to get a look. Um the, the, the defensive coordinator for the Rams and Todd Bowles, of course, the defensive coordinator for the Bucks, Dan Quinn, 
uh, Terry, is it Terry Gannon? Is it the Gannon or whatever for Philadelphia? No, thank you. Um, give me more offense. I, Dan Quinn I w- might be okay with. And Todd Bowles I would be fine with, I guess, as well. But I would prefer more the offensive guy. Yeah, Brian Dable would be would be excellent if that's the way the Vikings go. I'm really curious on the GM front because uh, this Monte Austin Fort from Tennessee, that's interesting. The guy from Cleveland, uh, that is really interesting. But the name that I'm most intrigued by this Catherine Reich from Philadelphia. Uh, she's the highest ranking woman in the front office in the NFL. Uh, she comes from the CFL where she did a bunch of work, I believe, with the what the Montreal Alouettes or the Toronto Argonauts. Either way, she was in the CFL for a while. She seems like she really has stuff going. And I view the the Wilfs as more of a progressive uh, ownership than uh-huh. other ownerships out there, perhaps. So I would tend to think that she might be the favorite, but this guy from Cleveland's awfully interesting. I know they interviewed a guy from Tampa Bay. Those would be that I like the most, though, that would not be a bad uh one either, but I tend to go with either the Cleveland or, uh, and I'm trying to get the the name of the um, general manager that they, uh, from Cleveland here, the, the director of player personnel or whatever, I'll, I'll get that here in a in a moment, but either that or this Catherine uh, Reich or Rake, however you pronounce her uh, last name, um, I, that would be the most interesting to me. We'll see who the GM is yet. Um, we'll see. Yeah. Coach, there's the defense coach. You just be good. Just win games. Win a Super Bowl. Whoever it is. See who the offense coordinator is going to be. I hope it's offensive coach. That's probably a guy calling the plays. So, I mean, the, the, the defense has got to get – the defense has got to get fixed. The offense is okay. Mm-hmm. Defense has got to get fixed. So, if it's a defensive guy, I'm, I'm okay with that too, I guess. Yep. The guy from Cleveland is Quezzi Odafo Menza. So, uh, oh, well. and uh, the the defense coordinator for Philadelphia is Jonathan Gannon. No, thank you. Don't want him in again. It's Catherine Reiki from uh, Philadelphia. Others uh, general managers that they have interviewed: John Spitek from Tampa Bay and uh, the uh, Austin Fort uh, for Monty Austin Fort from Tennessee. So, uh, we'll see what happens there. No. No news yet. There are a lot of interviews, but again, we'll assume they'll go the GM route first and then hire a coach. But we'll we'll see what happens there. But yeah, interesting news on the Raider front. Again, if it, I I would be okay with Rich Bisacci. He just seems like a good guy. But yeah, Brian Dable would probably be, a, you know, a good fit. Also, again, I'm gonna just float out there. I know it's not gonna happen, but Kyle Shanahan. Well, let, let let's go, Kyle Shanahan. Uh, speaking of Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers get the big win over Dallas, 23-17 on Sunday. Uh, they lead 23-7. Like, the Cowboys looked terrible in this game for much of the game. Uh, they got a little bit of life off of a, a, a fake punt uh, that, that resulted in a field goal. Then they intercepted Jimmy Garoppolo the drive after. And he had, anytime I see Jimmy Garoppolo throw a pick, or you know, if he has a great game, that's fine. 
I just remember back to the fact that when he led uh, Eastern Illinois into Brookings and the Jackrabbits smoked them 58-10. to I looked at the box score. Zach Zenner had uh, 33 carries for 295 yards and what, three scores in that one. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo had one pick and like 271 yards. It, he was not good in that game. I just love uh, going back and looking at that and just remembering how badly the Jackrabbits smoked them. That, or Jimmy G that day. But... Anywho, the 49ers uh, are driving. They're trying to run the clock out late in the game, up 23-17. to 17. They get a couple of defensive holding penalties against Dallas. Then on this third and nine, third and ten, they run a... Uh, Debo Samuel comes in motion. He gets the handoff, and Debo's the, the, the do-it-all wide receiver for the 49ers. And he looks like he has the first down. They, it turns out he's an inch shy. And I will quote it that inch. Like, it, it's not further than that. They line up to go for it on fourth down. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't let Trent Williams get set. They snuck for a first down, but wait, it's a false start. So they had to move it back. They punted it. The Cowboys then uh, drive down the field and look like they have a chance to potentially win this game or at least get a couple shots to the end zone. And then with 14 seconds left, Dak Prescott inexplicably, well, it's a call from Mike McCarthy or Kellen Moore. They call for a QB, a QB draw. He runs it to the from the 41 of San Francisco to the 24th. So it's a 17-yard gain, and he gets up. He probably ran a little further than he should have, and he gives the ball to his center. You can't do that. You have to give the ball to the umpire, and the umpire is scrambling to get there. He runs kind of into Dak Prescott and the line. He's trying to get through. He places the ball. The Cowboys spike it. There's no time remaining. The uh, fans are pissed. The Cowboys are pissed off, but... They did this to themselves. So to all you Cowboys fans out there who are bitching and complaining about how this game ended, shut up. It's a great call if you had a timeout left, but they didn't. Yep. 13 seconds. You need a touchdown. Yeah, you, know, you got to work the sidelines. Where they, I'm sure they were defending the sideline. You got time for three plays. You got time for a couple of quick, uh, quick short passes to pick up another ten yards, mm-hmm. or you could do two hail marys from the forty. You could do one hail mary, and you can do that in I would say at least twelve seconds, and have some time left for one more hail mary if you want to do that route. So, you had a lot of different options there. They picked that one. It wasn't like it was fourth down. It was second and one, second and inches. So it was too risky of a play to do that. Too risky, and they cost themselves the game, and like most people are okay with that. It was officiated the correct way because in, uh, in the discussion kind of leading after it, you're like, oh, there were some people like, well, why is the umpire that far back? Well, he's thinking that it could be a pass play, so he's not expecting to run all the way up there. So, and he's already like 10, 15 yards back behind the the player or whatever. So that's an additional scramble. And then, oh, the, the bump into Dak Prescott and stuff. Well, do you want him to run around the offensive line? Because that's just going to take more time. 
And the Cowboys need to know, like, this is this is fundamental NFL stuff. You have to give the ball to the official. You can't just place the, the ball on whatever hash you want or you think that's where you know, the, the ball should be. You have to give it to the official to be able to, to, to set the football down. So, or, and put it in the field of play. So the Cowboys are completely wrong in that. Then Dak Prescott is a bum afterwards saying, you know, not condoning what the Cowboys fans are doing, throwing bottles and stuff at the officials as they leave the, the field. I mean, throwing trash, it, it's bad. This isn't Cleveland. And it's it's just, for Dak Prescott not to say anything on that and kind of agree that it should have happened, shut up, Dak, because you're the reason why the Cowboys lost this game. It's not the officials' fault. It's your fault. Not only for running too far, but also for not giving the ball to the official, giving it to your lineman. You should know the rule. So shut up, Dak Prescott. Everything had to work perfect on that play, and it just didn't. Yeah. Um, you can't rely on a 60-year-old guy to get up there and get going. Right. So, like, I, I, I would imagine everybody watching that game was probably just stunned that they did that, they called that play. Yes. Well, a quarterback draw? 13 seconds, no timeouts, down, you need a touchdown to win the game. And you're going to call a quarterback draw. You, you, you gain 15, 16 yards, you gain too many yards. You should have sat down at the 30. Uh, you needed one second left, or you could have just ran the play and not tried to spike it. That maybe been probably would have been your best option to just, all right, let's go. We're gonna we're just gonna run the play because we don't have time to spike it. I need to look so. at I need to look at a replay again just to see how far down the field the wide receivers were because if if they had to get back and get set too, like the, does does everyone know? Like Dak Prescott should know. Okay, I'm running the QB sneaker and I'm gonna gain ten yards. Yeah, would we like an additional seven? Sure, but that's gonna take another second or two. You have to be smart. You have to know how far to run. You have to know exactly what's going on because if you run 10 yards i guarantee they get at least one they get another play off there they they get one more play to throw it to the end zone from their 30. you have to be smart in this and from you know bad clock management which is uh a staple of mike mccarthy head coaching to penalties 14 for 89 it's just lack of discipline, poor play calling. This was not an ideal spot for Kellen Moore to audition for a head coaching job. Like it, this just isn't because that's a bad, bad play to end or like to send your resume on and be like, "Hey, not our fault, but you called the damn play." So, I, it's just poor, ex, poorly executed all the way around. Uh, by the Dallas Cowboys. You know, too bad we don't have Brian Kelly here to say to to make a poorly uh, an ill-advised execution joke on his, on the team's play there. Uh, it, it it's just bad, and Dallas has no one to blame but themselves. Mike McCarthy trying to blame the officials, Dak Prescott blaming the officials. No, it's your own stupidity. So shut the hell up. Yeah, that was my team. I would not blame the refs. I'd be like, why did we call that play? There wasn't enough time. We weren't ready for it. So I had to get down sooner. I had to get going quicker. And they lost. So it's they're just not very good when it comes to playoffs. No. No, they are 4-11 and in playoff games since 1996. So good, great job, Dallas. Great job. Uh, 
Mike McCarthy going to be the head coach, it sounds like, here, barring something completely unexpected. But Stephen Jones, Jerry's son, said, yeah, he's, we're confident he's going to come back. Okay. Well. And their fans crying. This wasn't the Super Bowl. This wasn't to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah. This was a game against a good team in which you were a three-point favorite. Yep. And, and you lost, and you were down big in the third quarter. And yep. you were very lucky to get back. I mean, yep. Christ, come on. And I said I said it last week. I said, I think Dallas is the team that can give Green Bay the biggest fit or have the best chance to knock Green Bay off in advance to the Super Bowl. But they have to get by San Francisco first, and San Francisco just presents too many mismatches. Um this week, though, if San Francisco doesn't have Nick Bosa, he's in concussion protocol. If they don't have linebacker Fred Warner, he's got an ankle injury. Sounds like it's just a low ankle sprain, which is good. If it was a high ankle, he wouldn't be playing at all. If they can't play, San Francisco has no chance. Even with them playing, it's not a great chance. Uh, they're going to... Their offense can do enough, but they're going to have to do a lot more running plays, I think. You know, keep the ball out of Jimmy G's hands as much as possible. Um, the defense is going to have to play a whale of a game. I just don't see San Francisco being able to slow down Aaron Rodgers enough and putting up enough points to beat San Francisco. Now, they've had success against or against Green Bay. Excuse me. They've had success against Green Bay in the playoffs recently, but... I, I, I don't see it happening here this week. I could be wrong, but I think Green Bay wins fairly comfortably. I got to pick San Francisco, so I'm picking them. Green Bay win a Super Bowl. It's all that's all you got to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a long, long time coming. Uh, Rodgers is 0 3 in, in the playoffs against San Francisco, 0 1 at home. So, well, whatever it is, San Francisco has done well against Green Bay mm-hmm. in recent history in big games. Yep. So. Green Bay has not impressed me at all the last month. Nope. They just haven't. They just have their their defense is not good. Nope. Their defense is not good. Uh, San Francisco has more than enough weapons to do something against that defense. So they are getting healthier though. Whitney Merciless might have a chance to play. I think Preston Smith has a chance to play. Uh, David Bakhtiari coming back. So the Packers are getting healthy right now. But I yeah I think that defense. Maybe some of the shine has worn off from the season, uh, or from early on in the season. I, I still take Green Bay to win. That is the one-six matchup. That's at seven fifteen p.m. Central Time on Fox on Sunday. The other matchup in the NFC: the four-seeded L.A. Rams against the two-seed Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, the Rams beat the Bucks earlier this season. In, in that game was in L.A. Uh, and I know the Rams haven't played great this lately. They looked really, they look good against Arizona, but Arizona is just so terrible. I I'd be a little nervous though if I'm Tampa Bay in this one, especially given that you know Tristan Wirfs, their their star offensive tackle, hurt ankle. He might not play. Uh, Was it um, their their center got hurt? They they have some injuries along the offensive line, and that's not great when you're going up against. Von Miller and Aaron Darnold and Leonard Floyd. So I would be a little hesitant. I'd be a little scared if I'm Tampa Bay, especially if, you know, is Leonard Fournette going to play? Is Ronald Jones going to play? We don't know for sure. Um, So I'm leaning towards Tampa Bay, but this one I think is going to be a lot closer than than you think. I think the Rams 
have a great chance to pull off the upset here. I'm taking Tampa Bay in this one. Uh, like Rams offense didn't do anything for that second half. They didn't do anything. No. Well, last night. Now, they, they, they only scored 24 points, so they had the one uh, pick six. So their offense went cold for a long stretch. So I'm picking Tampa Bay, San Francisco, NFC final. So mm-hmm. we, we will see. Yep. I mean, I mean, I mean, Matt Stafford rode on the playoffs. I don't know either. Yeah. He, uh, this was the first game I believe he's ever played where he's had under 20 attempts. Or we didn't, you know, was it out for injury or didn't? Mm-hmm. Saying Stanford had under 20 attempts. So, whatever the game plan was, keep the ball on the ground, whatever, it worked. But, yep. well, they, oh. they found something in that against that Arizona defense. But again, Arizona, so tough. It's tough to take a lot out of what the Rams did because Arizona was so awful. But uh, at the same time, Matthew Stafford does get his first win. Uh, that game is. And, I mean, and it's Tom Brady. I mean,. Yep. He doesn't lose often, and he rarely loses at home. So, right. whatever their injuries are, I think their their guys will be okay. But what he just he just wins the game. His teams usually win these games. That game is at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 Central Time on NBC on Sunday. Now on the AFC side, which we're far more intrigued by and has the better games, the far better games. Uh, it's on, on Saturday at 4.30 Eastern, 3.30 p.m. Central Time on CBS. It is te- it's a Cincinnati, the four seed, at the one seed Tennessee Titans. The Titans are getting Derrick Henry back. I saw that the, the Bengals aren't going to have a def- one of their defensive tackles. He's out for the year. Uh, but the Bengals riding high offensively. Uh, this is going to be a very tough game, a good game. Uh, I would not be shocked at all if the Bengals come away with the win here, though, based on how they're playing right now. Titans, I don't know. Who, who knows what they're going to do Right. with Derrick Henry back. I'm going to pick the Bengals. So, I think everybody would be okay with any playoff matchup except the Titans. Nobody wants to see the Titans right. in there. So, right. I'm going to pick Cincinnati to win on the road. All right. And then the best game of the weekend, bar none, the Buffalo Bills at the Kansas City Chiefs, the three seed against the two seed, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 p.m. Central Time on Sunday on CBS. This game was a rematch of the game uh, earlier this season in Arrowhead. The Bills lamba- uh, just blasted the Chiefs 38-20. to It wasn't even that close. Uh, but that was when the Chiefs' defense was really struggling. They have found themselves since then. They've made changes. They just they've done very well. Uh, given the way the Bills looked last week, though, I would be awfully scared if I'm a Chiefs fan. And given the the slow start that the Chiefs had, you can ill afford that this week against the Bills. It's a rematch, of also the AFC Championship game from last year. I'm going to take the Chiefs, but I think the Bills have a great chance to win this game. I'm taking the Chiefs right now. I might change my pick here at some point. And I think, truly, that if any team remaining in the NFL playoffs has a chance to take down the Packers, I think the Buffalo Bills have the best chance. They have the best offense. They've they've gained a ground game all of a sudden with Devin Singletary. Their defense is pretty good. I think Buffalo has the best chance to knock off Green Bay out of any team remaining in the playoffs. But... The way Kansas City looks, I'm going to take them because they're the home team. 
Bills, uh, Bills over San Francisco is my Super Bowl, so I'm picking Buffalo. There you go. To win, they were the most impressive team last week. Mm-hmm. Um, Kansas City goes to those stretches where they don't do anything on offense. Right. They and um, and they get behind by so much sometimes, and sometimes they don't come back. So I'm going to take Buffalo. Big Wyoming, this is your chance to, to shine. This is your chance to – this is this is the game of your life right here, beating Kansas City. This, this is big time. So if um, you feel like the winner of this one's going to go to the Super Bowl. So it, it's uh, probably the biggest playoff game we've got until the Super Bowl. Yep, I would agree. And I think it is important to note, though, that the Bills offense has – it's not like they've been – uh, a well-oiled machine and, and chugging along here. They struggled against the Jets at the final week of the season. You know, they they struggled against the Patriots way back when. They struggled for a half against Tampa Bay before really turning things on. Really, the, the turning point for the Buffalo Bills uh, over the last month of the season has been, you know, the second half of that Bucks game and beyond. But, again, they, they do go through stretches or they have issues too offensively. I think Kansas City can... Uh, and Kansas City knows it's going to be a slugfest. They can't take the Bills lightly at all. I think they kind of took the Steelers a little bit lightly. Like, oh, you know, it's Big Ben's last game. The offense can't do anything. We'll be fine. And after that uh, fumble recovered and ran back by T.J. Watt for a touchdown, the Chiefs are like, okay, enough fooling around. We're pissed off. We can't do this. We can't keep doing this. That's not going to happen against Buffalo because they know they have to put up as many points as possible. Uh, but that's certainly going to be an interesting game. Uh, yeah, we uh, they should uh, they should be a great game, hopefully. Yes. So those are your divisional playoff match. Anything else NFL related we need to get to? No, I'm I'm looking forward to every game. And I want to see every game this weekend. So, and I think any, any, anybody could win any of these games. You mm-hmm. know, it's they're all close enough to where it's like yeah, it's I'm picking three road road teams, so I don't. You know, I don't expect uh, expect to, to get them all here this week, but that is what I would like to see. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, where where should we head next? College basketball, or yeah, I mean that's about it. Yeah, pretty pretty much. College, I mean uh, college basketball. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Baylor loses two games last week, while Oregon. Is snuck back into the tournament conversation by sweeping the Southern, uh, the the SoCal teams, USC and UCLA. Both were ranked highly ranked in the top ten. I mean, Oregon men's and women's basketball over the last week defeated four top ten teams. That's incredible. So uh, maybe Oregon's turned a corner on the men's side, but Baylor loses two in a row. I know you you probably know this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you know who the number one team in the country is right now? Or the number one overall seed? Is Gonzaga? No. It's not Gonzaga. No. It's a team we're familiar with, though. Was it Auburn? It is Auburn. Good. I'm, I, I like Auburn. I like Auburn to, to, to do some damage. I couldn't. Uh, and and Baylor, Baylor's in a fight now with West Virginia. Yes. Why, why they're playing this game at fucking 4 o'clock on a Tuesday, I don't know. <laughs> but they are. So. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I'm not sure why. It's, it's, give the Big 12, uh, the dying Big 12, when, uh, any time they can. But, yeah, Auburn is looking like the number one overall seed, at least in Lenardi's latest bracketology. Uh, I, I, 
Final I, I don't know just how great Auburn truly is, but this is a a team I think that certainly uh, can contend and you know make a a Final Four run. You know Kansas has had a couple of issues here lately. Duke lost. I, College basketball. This is. This, this feels like there could be ten, legitimately ten or twelve teams. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, and this is likely to change. Auburn's not going to hang on to this spot forever. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the the chaos that ensued last week. You know, you have Texas Tech, who after beating Baylor loses on the road at Kansas State. Oklahoma loses at TCU. So you have a number of te- uh, teams kind of battling through some spots that are you know have some bad losses. In there, uh, yeah. Purdue, uh, Purdue and Illinois last uh, what overtime Monday night, yeah, Monday afternoon, double, double overtime game on MLK Junior Day. That was great. That was a great game there. Um, you got Loyola Chicago all of a sudden in the top twenty-five. Mm-hmm. So it'll be, it should be a fun time to fill out a bracket here in about two months. Yes, and we hope that some like the. That we're going to get a clearer picture, but I think there's a good chance we might not. I mean, there, just the fluctuation of teams on a, on a day-to-day, you know, week-to-week basis, like, we whatever we think we know, we really don't. Purdue, I'm not trusting Purdue. I don't give a shit. Not at all. Yeah, that's probably okay. Um, you know. Arizona, <laughs> and it's been a while since they've been there, but yep. there's some teams up there that I know. I don't give Purdue not a chance. Maybe I'll take him to the Elite Eight. Certainly not Final Four. No, I would agree with I would agree with that absolutely. Uh, South Dakota State is dropped down to a 14 seed. Uh, Lenardi's latest bracketology taking on three seed Wisconsin. I'd be game for that. Um, but we will see here. Wyoming with the big win. Uh, Wyoming, I think, is a, a sneaky team in the Mountain West. You have to watch out for. Uh, they could make a run, but we just don't know. There's so much chaos this year. Um, I'm, I'm just I'm looking forward to what uh, what is to come here with these uh, in the in the coming weeks and stuff. As hopefully we get a little bit more clarity, though we we just might not this year. It might be one of those years. A lot of good teams. A lot of no dominant team. A lot of. A lot of old teams, a lot of new teams, so it's a good mix of, of, a, of a lot of, of a lot of stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so that's that. Uh, your Bulls have lost four in a row. That's not great. No. Uh, John Morant, fantastic. Memphis doing really well. Uh, anything NBA related we need to get to? Well, top five seeds in the East are separated by two games, so. I mean, Bulls, Heat, Nets, Cleveland. Cleveland. LeBron's going to be begging to go to Cleveland again. Yep. Let me come back to Cleveland. They're the four seed all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And you got – I would be shocked if he doesn't go back there one more time. <laughs> I bet he goes back one more time. Maybe after this year. I mean, the Lakers, they, yeah. yes, they beat the Jazz Monday night, but that's – they're still a team kind of struggling. The Timberwolves, they had a bad loss at New Orleans last week, but – you know they're hovering around 500. They are, you know, they they look a lot better. They should be able to hang on. I would hope to a to a playoff spot or at least one of the the spots in the playing tournament. Here, uh, the Hawks had lost ten straight home games. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. That that they before they beat the Milwaukee Bucks Monday night. So a uh, lot of chaos in the NBA. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see how that pans out. Uh, Australian Open is going on down under. Uh, tennis's first Grand Slam event of the season. No Novak Djokovic. He got his visa got canceled again. Thank goodness he got deported from Australia. Um, this is, this is the right move. I don't really get why so many people are defending Novak. If Australia has this, you know, pretty much zero tolerance. And if you lied on your visa application <laughs> saying you weren't sick, well then you really shouldn't be able to go. So, uh, to the Danny Canals of the world, shut the hell up. Um, what does he think? Well, he's just, let him play. That's pretty much it. He's... Hopefully he'll miss the French Open, too, for similar reasons. He might not be able to play in the U.S. Open if New York has the the vaccination policy. Right now, Kyrie Irving can't play in New York City or in Brooklyn because he's not vaccinated. And granted, the the U.S. Open is not for another seven-plus months, and things likely will change. We should see a peak here in the coronavirus and the Omicron variant. Here in the next couple of weeks, so hopefully cases start to subside a bit, and some of these mandates may be released or uh, you know just removed at at that time. But it's certainly something that bears consideration and watching. Like all Novak has to do is just get the damn shot, and he didn't deserve to play in this tournament. The Australian Open, you know, committee or whoever approved his uh, bogus. You know, excuse or medical panel and or you know, whatever. Uh, they look absolutely foolish. I think Australia's leadership is doing the right thing. And again, all it would take is just to get vaccinated, and Novak refused to do it. It's very easy, but it's costing them millions of dollars. So go, go right ahead. Well, it, it, it arguably isn't it kind of costing him his legacy to a degree? Yeah, I mean, he he's younger than these other two and healthier, and he should end up with the most majors ever. Uh, Federer is done; he won't win another one. Nope. Nadal will friend the, win the French Open for as long as he wants to. So that's another three or four, however many he can he can uh, be healthy for. Mm-hmm. And uh, if. If Djokovic is out of the way, then maybe Nadal gets another couple here. Yeah. So if he can just stay healthy. So, yeah, to, to just take yourself out of the tournament like that for something so simple just uh, doesn't make sense to me yeah, at all. He's turning himself into a villain. Like, I mean, had he been allowed to play, A, it would have yeah. been a huge controversy and a, a cloud hovering over the tournament the entire time. But he would have gotten booed from the grandstands. Granted, the Australian Open's capping capacity at 50% for the tournament at the at their venues. But now he's just turning into villain and public enemy number one. Like, are, are whatever tournaments he do he does play at, are people going to cheer for him or are they going to boo him? I mean, that's... And maybe that will fuel him. He'll just say, you know, he'll turn to his critics and say, you know, F you or, you know, whatever, uh, because he just doesn't care at this point. And like I said, maybe that fuels will fuel him a little bit. Or it'll be like Aaron Rodgers, I still own you. I mean, maybe he'll kind of go that route. I don't know, but I think I think there's going to be a large portion of tennis crowds that really turn on Novak and want to see him fail rather than see his potential historic success. I would hope so. I would hope so because it's ridiculous and, and we need to put an end to this and 
the way Australians are doing it, I like it. Like, be tough. Say, no, you can't come in this country if you're not vaccinated. Like, you know, right. but we have some, have some rules, have some, have something on the line here. So, yeah, have some, have some balls, uh, have some of that, uh, whatever. They, you know, they threw that, uh, That's right. dildo at the Bills game. Did you see that? Oh my gosh. Yes. Uh, so tables and, and fake dicks. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. It, it, apparently a tradition started, you know, when Brady was there in like 2016 or something. Oh. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. Jesus uh, Christ. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What a, oh, uh, so yeah, that's that. Uh, <laughs> but I couldn't even tell you on the men's side, apart from Rafael Nadal, who anyone is, uh, no. who, who are the favorites. No. Like, it's just not there. I want Naomi Osaka to win on the women's side. Uh, she's great. I know there's, you know, some good young American tennis players on the women's side, none on the men, but on the women's side. So, you know, good for them, but Naomi Osaka, she's the, the cream of the crop and she should win the Australian open. I would think so. Uh, anything else that we need to get to? I really can't think of anything. One more thing I just came up, came across here. Yeah. Uh, he's on the, he's on this uh, podcast sometimes. Uh, Matt Zimmer. Ah, yes, yes. He is. Uh, he's won uh, South Dakota Sports Writer of the Year for the first time. Very good. Congratulations. Hey, well deserved. Well deserved. He uh, is. Yeah. He's very good at what he does. He covers a lot. He's great though with the Jackrabbits. He tells it like yeah. it is, and uh, that's a well deserved honor. So congratulations, Matt yeah. Zimmer. So yeah, he should have won that a while ago. So yep. good for him for winning that and. Um, yeah, there's some big, uh, big ceremony in North Carolina is where they have it. So, uh, do you want to guess who the? Uh, I guess there was a tie for sportscaster of the year oh. in nationally. Sports, so, is this like a, an announcer? Or is this like a local TV personality studio? Uh, this would be your ESPN types. Your okay national, national? two guys. Uh, one guy who I think is, is is the guy, and another guy who does who does a good job of what he does. So there was a tie for okay. for national sports. All right, caster. Let, let me uh, guess this here. I'm gonna go. Think, uh, the sports writer I think was Jeff Passan from ESPN does baseball. Yep, yep, he's very good. Um, I'm guessing Ernie Johnson's one of the names. Yeah, he he, he was one of them. And a tie. I'm guessing this is rather a surprising tie. No, the other guy I think should win it. I think he is. Oh, really? Okay. Um, the other guy is the best at what he does. I think. Oh. He's just he's just entertaining. He is. Charles Barkley. No. Oh, um. He's on every night. Scott Van Pelt. Scott Van Pelt. Yeah, yeah it's him. Yeah, he, uh, him and Ernie Johnson tied. So they're both very good. They are. And um, yeah, Scott Van Pelt, he is. They had to do something to change Sports Center, and and he's he's done well with that. So he sure he's your best guy in your top spot. So those were the. I think they were announced today. So Matt Zimmer, he uh, good for him to so to Matt, win uh, the Sports Writer there. So is Matt Zimmer going to be in the same room as Scott Van Pelt and Ernie Johnson? If they show up, yep. Yes. Holy shit. I'd probably, so, I'd probably. I'm sure he could. Yeah. I'd probably so. pull my pants if that were ever the case for me. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I want. Uh, and Mike, uh, Mike Hendrickson, he's been in you know 30 years. He's been doing stuff in South Dakota. Yep. And um, 
I think he won it one year, and like his Twitter profile is him getting the award from Bob Costas. Yes, yep. Because he was there that at. Uh, I think I follow him on Twitter, so I have seen that. Yep. I don't know if he Bob Costas. I'm sure like he's won it many times. I don't know if he had won it that year. It was a Hall of Fame uh, inductee. I think Stuart Scott's in the Hall of Fame this year. Sure. So. Um, Most I mean, yeah. You if you go to that thing, you meet. You have the chance to meet. Some of those people, some of those the Bob Costas, Dan Patrick type folks. So the idols, yeah, yeah. yeah. Boy, that's so. that's really tough. Who should you think Scott Van Pelt should win over Ernie Johnson? I think Scott. I mean, we had our announcer draft. Yep. I think I got Scott Van Pelt fairly late. Like it was you know, maybe three, four rounds later. But yeah, I think he's. I think he's really good. Like Ernie Johnson, he's. He's good as well, so I'm fine with either of those. Who else it would have been? I don't know. Yep. But I mean, those 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 guys are at the top. What, so. Do we have any other awards, or should we save this for next week? I'm curious what some of the other award winners were. That's about it. I mean, that was that. Um, well, Jeff Passon from ESPN won it for National Sports Writer, and, that's, and then every state has their. As their guy. Who, so, who is it for Minnesota? If I had to venture a guess, uh, it better not be Patrick Royce. Uh, not Patrick Royce. It was uh, Marty Gellner won for the first time. Oh, good for her. So she actually, she so she's on Valley Sports North. She used to yeah. be like the the sideline report or the you know the, the reporter for Twins games, Timberwolves games. She has <laughs> recently transitioned into the studio role, the studio host that the late Tom Haberman. Um, Yep. So she's 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 good at that. Yep. I'm fine with that. Yep. Um, Aaron Gleeman with the Athletic covers the Twins. Yes. Yep. I've heard him on KK. Um, That's he he wins. Oh, he he won Sports Writer. Very good of the year. Um, North Dakota. Uh, with Brian Sean won for North Dakota. Yep, I'm familiar with him. Uh, that's that's good. I, we we see him every year at the Summit League tournament. Uh, Carissa Wigington from the Fargo Forum. I don't know who that is. I don't know. She won, I guess, for North Dakota sports writer Carissa Wigington. Okay. I do not know who she is. I so. don't either. For sure, well deserving. Did uh, so. did did uh, did Charlie win? Uh, Charlie did not win in Iowa. Who won in Iowa? Charlie did not win in Iowa. Uh, some guy from the Ames Tribune and some guy from Des Moines won. Well, th- th- then Charlie better win next year. Tell I hope so. Way. So, uh, we had a guy here in Mitchell, Ryan Deal. He won it. I think three years in a row, maybe at least two, maybe three years in a row. Okay, so you and Marcus maybe so, can maybe let's. How about you both win? One that'd be great. Maybe if I do this long enough, they'll give it to me as a, as a sympathy <laughs> vote. But um, hey, so you yeah. Know, a few, once you look at state by state, there's a few names that pop up, but I mean, most of these guys I've never heard of. Right. Um, Hubie Brown's in the Hall of Fame. Stuart Scott. Yep. Uh, Jackie McMullen. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the a couple of the Hall of Fame. Nominees this year, so yeah, it's always in somewhere in North Carolina. Uh, I think Winston Salem, sometime in the summer. So very good, very good. Um, yeah, well, hey, you have a very successful podcast here. Uh, taking time with Travis, the second episode will debut or will come out this week. Uh, so best of, uh, continued success with that, uh, and tw- uh, here's to another. 10, 12 years of this podcast. However, Here we, we go. We want to do it. 12 years for another 12 years. Yep. Uh, but happy birthday again. I hope you have a great day. And uh, I always appreciate 
the time and the friendship and uh, just doing this. It's a lot of fun. So thank you for taking the time on your birthday to do the podcast. And uh, again, yeah, here's to another 12 years and here's to a great uh, year upcoming for you on, on, on your birthday. Hopefully you got some good football games and uh, I'll see what happens next week. Yes, indeed we shall. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right. I'll see you later. Travis Krenz joining here, Sports Block Podcast, on his birthday. Yes, the birthday boy. Uh, and happy 12-year anniversary to the Sports Block Podcast. Uh, originally, again, we started this our senior year, spring semester, at uh, at in Brookings. At the, we, we did it at the KSDJ Studios down in the basement of the Student Union. We started it, and uh, look where it's gone from here. It, it's now continued into podcast form as we've moved around to various spots. So uh, that's that. Again, take, taking time with Travis is the is Travis's podcast. You can find it on KORN's uh, a website or on his Facebook page or on their Facebook page, KORN Radio. So definitely take a listen to, to that, to last week's um, winners again. Or not with it, but last week's guests, Marcus Traxler, Mike McFeely, and uh, Arif Hassan. So, there you go. Um, so, that's that, and uh, we'll see what guests he has this week, but it comes out um, later part of the week. So, kind of, kind of when our podcast comes out. But, uh, as always, we thank you for listening to this week's edition of Sports Block Podcast. Oh, yeah, you know what? We, we, you know, we, we're not going to just stop this during the... Uh, because you know, the regular season's done. Let's look back at the previous week. Let's look back at Super Wild Card Weekend, and we'll make some uh, official picks here for, uh, well, the official picks, I guess, can be found in the stack at stackattack.sportsblog.com in our Football Friday post. But let's go back and rehash what happened Super Wild Card Weekend. We discussed it at length here a little bit uh, earlier, but it started on Saturday with the Bengals beating the Raiders 26-19 to Um uh, Joe Burrow looked great in this game. Jamar Chase had over 100 yards receiving. The controversial play, again, was Joe Burrow scrambling right. He's kind of leaping out of bounds. His feet aren't touching. Like, this isn't one where the, it's he's throwing it just as he steps out of bounds. He's he easily clears this. Like, this is not... This was a bad inadvertent whistle. But if you watch the play and you listen to the whistle, the ball's almost caught. So I don't think the Raiders would have gotten to it had it ha- not happened, but they still got screwed over by the call. Uh, it's it's bad officiating, and I guess a point I should have brought up to Travis is you can't have these all-star officials. Like you got to have you got to grade the entire crew. You can't have this hodgepodge of oh this field judge was great and this back judge and this umpire and this ref and you rank them and stuff like ranked respectively. You got to rank the entire team. And I think that helped lead to some of the issues here with what we saw this weekend uh, with some of these lengthy uh, huddles and bad calls and whatnot. You, you can't do it. You just, you can't do it. But the Bengals ultimately prevailed 26-19. to They hold off the Raiders late drive, and they advance to the divisional round again, win their first playoff game in 31 years. Saturday night, the Bills make history, seven touchdowns, two kneel downs, no punts, no field goals, first team ever to do that. They crush the Patriots 47-17. They were up 7-0 early. The game, the turning point in this game arguably came late in the first quarter when the Patriots, Mac Jones is driving, he throws a pass to, I believe it was Nelson Aguilar, and 
Micah Hyde, the safety, makes an incredible interception in the end zone. It looked like it was going to be a touchdown. Had that had had Aguilar come down with that and had the Patriots tied the game up 7-7, I think this game has a whole different vibe, a whole different feel to it. But that happened. The Bills go down, score a touchdown, and it was that was it at that point. So an incredible job by the Bills in this one. But arguably the turning point was that interception in the end zone. Then on Sunday, the Buccaneers beat the uh, the Eagles 31-15. Tom Brady looked great, but injuries on the offensive line are a bit of a concern. We'll see what happens there. Um, you're moving forward. The Eagles, again, just happy to be in the playoffs, I guess, but the Bucks smoke them. Then, of course, you had the the draw play heard around the world with the 49ers beating the Packers, or the, the, with the 49ers beating the Cowboys 23-17, excuse me. Uh, the, the 49ers looked great in this game early on. Jimmy Garoppolo looked great, but the offense bogged down in the second half. They did score a touchdown on uh, the first play after a turnover. I believe it was a Cowboys interception. Uh, Debo Samuel ran it in, gave him a 23-7 lead. The Cowboys battled back. And again, uh, between Debo not picking up that first down at the end there, and then the false start, and the 49ers giving the Cowboys a chance, and the, the draw with 14 seconds left. You just can't do it. I think it's just poorly executed. You can't run that far, Dak Prescott. You can't, you can't just hand the ball to your center, to your offensive lineman. you, you got to give it to the umpire. you got to let him set the ball. You can't blame the refs. You can't blame anyone but yourself. And you can't condone what the fans did at the end of the game, throwing those bottles in that trash. Bad, bad, bad uh, look, not only for Cowboys fans, but for Dak Prescott in general. And the 49ers win 23-17. Sunday Night Football, the Chiefs were asleep for the first quarter and a half. They fell behind 7-0 after T.J. Watt picked up a fumble and ran it back for a touchdown. The Chiefs awoke 35 points. He had an offensive lineman receive a touchdown. Travis Kelsey at the tight end, he threw a touchdown and also caught a touchdown. The Chiefs just completely annihilated the Steelers 42-21. Uh, and that is the end for Big Ben. And we're not all that sorry about it. In the Monday Night Football, the L.A. Rams crushed the Cardinals 34-11. Four straight three and outs for the, the Cardinals. They had negative yards, total yards after their first three or first four drives. They looked bad. Kyler Murray looked shook, uh, shaken. The Rams were great, but Matthew Stafford had a QB sneak for a touchdown. He had a couple of passing touchdowns, and yeah, the the the, the Rams win easily, thirty four to eleven, and that sets up NFL divisional playoff weekend, arguably the best weekend in the NFL. It begins on Saturday. 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 3.30 p.m. Central Time on CBS. It's the four-seeded Cincinnati Bengals at the one-seed Tennessee Titans. Travis is taking the Bengals. I have to lean towards the Titans. I think Derrick Henry is going to have a big game. I think the defensive tackle uh, injury for the Bengals is a little bit costly. Uh, I, I would not be shocked if the Bengals win. But this is the, the Titans' time. The Titans are, everyone's like, it's the Titans. Like, how could the Titans be the one-seed? They have to show up here. A.J. Brown needs to have a big game. Julio Jones needs to have a big game. Derrick Henry, big game. I think the Titans ultimately get the win over Cincinnati. Saturday night, then, the six-seeded in the NFC, the six-seeded San Francisco 49ers at the one-seed Green Bay Packers, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on Fox. The 49ers can hang with the, four, with the Packers. But Nick Bosa needs to play. Fred Warner needs to play on defense. And they're going to need a hell of a game from Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel. Then they're going to need Jimmy Garoppolo to not throw any interceptions. 
They barely beat the uh, the Packers. One on a on a late drive, a late field goal against San Francisco earlier in the regular season. This game is in the cold. It's in Green Bay. It's at night. Packers have had a bye week to rest up. They're getting healthier. I think the Packers win. I the 49ers can give them fits, but I just don't see it happening. I think the Packers are just too good, and I think the Packers ultimately prevail in this game against San Francisco. Then Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central Time on NBC, it's the four-seeded L.A. Rams in the NFC against the two-seeded Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, injuries to the offensive line could be the demise of Tom Brady and the Bucs. The, the backfield, that's a concern, but... It's still Tom Brady and the Bucks. I don't think the Rams have really entirely gotten the ship right, despite their performance against the Cardinals Monday night. So give me the Rams in this game. And then uh, the last game, it's the best game. It's the three in the AFC, the three-seeded Buffalo Bills at the two-seeded Kansas City Chiefs, uh, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Uh, listen. Two great offenses. This is the Bills' time. The Bills need to show everyone that they are for real. But I got to go with the home team here. The, the Bills' offense scares me, and I still think that. The, and I think that the Bills have the best chance now out of any team to take down the Packers. But I'm going to go with uh, the Chiefs playing at home. Maybe what happened against Pittsburgh lit a fire underneath them. The defense is playing a lot better than what they did in that week five, week six meeting, whenever it was earlier in the season. The Chiefs are better since then. I think it was week five. The Chiefs are better since then, especially defensively. I think their offense gets enough done, and I'd like the Chiefs to edge the Bills barely by the skin of their But again, wouldn't be surprised if the Bills win. So those are your picks. Official picks and predictions can be found in the stack, stackattack.sportsblog.com in our Football Friday post. Then happy birthday to Travis. Uh, and uh, happy 12-year anniversary to the Sports Block. Uh, we appreciate you, all of you who have continued to listen through the radio show and the podcasts and all the variations with our TV shows, and uh, definitely give Travis's new podcast, Taking Time with Travis, uh, a listen. It's good stuff there, especially if you're in the Mitchell area or the, in the region or have interest you know, in stuff like the Vikings. Again, predominantly sports, but maybe some other topics in there as well. But a very good first podcast there. So, Taking Time with Travis is that podcast. Uh, and the, this is the Sports Block Podcast. So, for Travis, I'm Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Follow me on Twitter at ND Stacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken, Travis on Twitter at Travis Krenz. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. We will see you, ne- or we'll talk to you again next week. Uh, more NFL playoff reaction, NFL head coaching or GM uh, news. We'll discuss that. We'll discuss college basketball, NBA, so much more. Whatever happens in the sports world, we'll talk about it. The big news anyway. So, again, for Travis and Nathan, I uh, for Travis, I'm Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block po- Podcast. Have a great week. Stay safe, stay warm, and uh, be well. And we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Again, happy birthday to Travis. Happy anniversary to the Sports Block Podcast. And we'll talk to you next week on the Sports Block Podcast. Have a great week, everyone.